everyone. Welcome to 1111 Calling. I'm your host, Michelle Haynes, and today we are going to be talking with Shannon Cumberland. Shannon is the founder of Rosie Rings, a global home fragrance brand known for their nature-inspired candles and diffusers. Established in 1995, Rosie Rings operated out of Shannon's tiny kitchen on a shoestring budget. From those very humble beginnings, Rosie Ring now occupies a 30,000 square foot space in central Denver and counts major retailers such as Anthropology and Nordstrom as customers. Welcome, Shannon. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. I just came into our 30,000 square foot luxurious uh, factory <laughs> and it is like 81 degrees in my office right now. So I'm uh, hoping it cools off, but um, besides that, I'm pretty good. Yeah. A little schwitzy for you in there. Yeah. Yeah. A little sweaty, a little sweaty. <laughs> well, I appreciate you chatting with us today. You know, you and I have known each other for a handful of years from the hair salon and I've gotten to know you pretty well, you know, mostly just kind of in your day-to-day -day life. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about how you started Rosie Rings and why, what inspired you. But before we get into all of that, I'd love to give our listeners a chance to learn a little bit about you, like um, just the person you are, the things you've gone through in your life that make you who you are. So maybe just starting with a brief background, where, where you grew up, what your family life was like, and uh, what your childhood was like, good, bad, and everything in between. One thing that I like to talk about, or that I think is kind of interesting that I feel like relates to me, uh, what I do now, my dad was really crafty. So my dad was in the Air Force, and my mom was um, a homemaker until she went back to school when I was in elementary school. So we traveled all over the place. My dad had grown up on a farm and he was six foot three and he was like a real, you know, product of his time, right? Like a kind of strong, silent type, but he loved to like make stuff. And so like, and you know, I'm from, you know, I grew up in the seventies. And so he was got really into macrame, <laughs> which I think is so funny. <laughs> and he would, he would make all, you know, he'd make all this macrame stuff. And then he made like um, these Tiffany glass chandeliers where they would like solder the metal and stuff. Cool. Um, and just like all these kind of seventies, early eighties crafts, rug hooking. We actually all did rug hooking. I did. But too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God. And, yeah. and you know, they're so, ugly. they're so ugly. You don't even see them at yard sales or anything. They're just like, <laughs> you don't see them anywhere. Did you um, hang them like on your wall or what did you do with them? I don't even remember I think what I did I think, I think we mod, you were, you were supposed to mod podge the back, I think. And then it made it all stiff, but I don't remember seeing them after a while in, in our, in our house, even. I do, I do have the pink macrame owl that my dad made for me. It's in my daughter's bedroom. But anyway, I was always the same way. I always like to craft. I like to like, I just like to make stuff. And I got like this little candle making kit from the Sears catalog. I'm just like dating myself over and over and over again. But I got this like little candle making kit and I would just, they only gave you one pound of wax and you got like these molds, like these plastic molds. And it was like a mushroom and like an owl or like a penguin or something. And I would just like pour the candles and then melt them down, pour them again. But I really liked like 
I just liked it, you know, and I liked like making stuff. I get really, if I'm doing that kind of work, it's like they say, like the runner's high. I think the same thing happens when you, when you craft, you can kind of just shut down parts of your brain and, and, and just get super relaxed. I'm totally going off on a tangent right now. I'm not even talking about my childhood anymore, but my dad ended up dying when I was, he got cancer when I was 12 and he died when I was 16. And you know, I, things kind of went to, went to hell then, uh, just my family kind of fell apart. I, uh, I really was self-reliant, you know, from that point on. And I had kind of been somewhat self, I was always real independent. And then when my dad got sick, of course, you know, the, the family energy wasn't, was focused on my dad. And, and, you know, also I'm like Gen X, you know, we were all just like coming home and just watching TV all day. I, I didn't have a ton of parental situ, uh, supervision even before he got sick. But after he died, you know, I, my mom just was, really wasn't physically there some of the time, or mm-hmm. a, a fair amount of the time. So I, um, you know, I would buy my own groceries. I did my own stuff. And um, before I even went to my high school graduation, I didn't even know if I had graduated. I did pretty poorly in school. So before I even, you know, as soon as I got out of school, I moved up to Denver and lived on my own from then, from then on. Where were you, Um, where were you going to high school? Where were you living at that time? uh, My dad died when we, uh, so we were stationed, like um, I was born in South Carolina and we lived in Texas and Florida, Alaska. And then he was stationed in in New Mexico in Albuquerque and that's where he got sick. So we, he was medically retired at that point. And um, I moved up from Albuquerque. And how many siblings do you have again? I have two older sisters um, and I'm, I'm really close with them. Did you find that moving around a lot in that military type of situation that that made you closer with your sisters because that was the consistent kind of pack through those moving or how did that moving around impact you? Well, I kind of caught the tail end of it. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm four years behind my middle sister and they're two years apart. So they're, they're closer. And, uh, like, the, like my sister, Kathy, who's the middle child, she was born in the Philippines. I mean, they were really moving around. I kind of caught the tail end of it. Cause when I was, uh, we moved to La- uh, Albuquerque, sorry, when I entered fourth grade. So I didn't, you know what I mean? I, that okay. was pretty steady for me. Yeah. And my sisters were real close and, and I just was like, kind of further behind. And I didn't really, like I said, I I didn't particularly do well in school. You know, I had friendships, but not a real close friend um, ever um, in school. So I think that's another thing that made me just really independent. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of sucks, you know, it's kind of like, when I think about telling my kids about my childhood, there's some of it that's just like, not that great. But I do think those, all of those circumstances made it more natural for me to start my business because I was already just very independent and very mm-hmm. self-reliant and um, had been forced to kind of become a risk taker. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't such a big deal for me to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I think to those kind of difficult situations or challenges that come up and just that perfect storm of circumstances in your growing up, um, made you independent, gave you the time and space to get into your 
creative head and things that you want to do, which is probably also therapeutic, I would imagine, or. Oh yeah, for sure. A way to focus some of all that confusing energy, but also all of that, I think then gives you the strength and the grit to get over any of those challenges that come up during that process of starting to start your own business. And yeah, I agree. Grit's a funny w- a word. Cause I'm like, I, I don't usually like, like new words, you know what I mean? Like synergy or what are some <laughs> of the other ones that get bandied about, but grit, I actually do like, because I just feel like that it really fits. Right. You know, I always, I, the vision I get in my head with grit is the picture of somebody that's been knocked down literally face first in the dirt and just getting up and brushing it off and just looking forward and keep going. That's when I think of grit, I think of that. And I also think of weathered, not like haggard looking or anything. I'm not saying yeah. weathered looking, <laughs> <Shannon>. <laughs> but more like thick skinned, you know? Yeah. 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 So I feel like it's funny. I get like a literal image of sandpaper. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very literal person, but I, I do know, like, I do understand, you know, when it's, when it's set, you know, but I think the term became really popular when it was talking about, you know, women uh, that were successful and what, and having grit. And it was something that younger women needed to work on developing was this, you know, concept of grit. And I do feel like that is definitely something I had. I was, I was, you know, um, I've always been really sensitive, but at the same time, I think I was kind of tough, you know? I think those two things go hand in hand. Being raw and open and vulnerable and sensitive is, it's tricky. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't feel so good. Sucks. So, yeah, yeah. It can, it can. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's kind of a double-edged yeah. sword. I think it's got its beautiful points and then it's kind of doesn't feel so good points. But um, also another thing that you were talking about when you get creative or, or in that creative space that you likened it to a runner's high. And to me, that's what I call being in the zone, which I think, I'm sure some people think this is really like cheesy, hippy dippy, but to me, it's when you're totally in line with some kind of universe vibe, force, energy, vibration, that's truly in line with your soul, your creative spirit. So I think when people get in the zone, whether it's through art or exercise or creating music or writing or whatever it might be, that that you're totally in sync with something that's running through you straight from the universe. But so I think that's really cool, you know? Awesome. Um, so you started making the candle little, I and mean, I remember those mushroom. What was it with the seventies and owls and mushrooms and stuff? Like that? I, yeah, I know. I know. Um, yeah. Owls too, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I have a real, I have a thing for mushrooms. I'm like, I'm a fun guy fan. That's such, such a bad pun, but I'm, I'm going to say no. it. Um, well, that's a whole other conversation and not, <laughs> I'm not talking about trippy mushrooms. Honestly, I think. No, no, no. I fun wasn't guy either, or like but- the, brain of the whole earth in a way yeah like on a scientific no, level like, they're amazing <laughs> I mean like toadstools and like illustratively I like mushrooms is what yes. I meant yeah but Aesthetically. I, I, I like I like mushrooms of, of every every um 
every type of mushroom incarnation I'm, I'm into, except I don't really like to eat them. You just decide, how are you making candles in your little apartment? Was it just for decorating your apartment or? No, or thought, I think I'm going to make some of these and try to give them away or sell them or what? You know, I think actually I started with dried flowers and, um, and at first it was just like decor from my little, I had a little duplex uh, with my ex-husband. I think it was decor. Then I kind of, it's just the same story you always hear. I started making them for friends, like these dried floral arrangements. And then I did a couple of like, I did like the people's fair and stuff like that with my dried floral stuff. And I realized really quickly that, which this was a good lesson for me, that I needed to differentiate myself. I was like, it was, it was really popular trend at that time. I just wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have as much stuff or as much variety and I wasn't as, you know, inexpensive as like these other people that would sell dried floral type stuff at these craft shows. To me, flowers and fragrance seemed really like closely related. So I started fragrancing my flowers that I would put on my wreaths and stuff. And, uh, and then, you know, from there candles aren't a big leap, you know, you're like, Oh, well, if I'm fragrancing this thing, why don't I make some candles? And so I just, started out doing that. And I, I actually bought the first ones that I sold. I would, I was buying them from, <laughs> from this company. I think they're still around, but their packaging was really ugly. That just shows what a snob I am. Their packaging was really ugly. So I would just spend hours taking off their labels and putting on my really adorable label. And finally I was like, Oh, fuck it. I'm just going to make my own damn candles. Thinking of course, as I, as I do with every project that I take on, I just was thinking, oh, it's going to be so, so easy. Any idiot can do this. Not realizing there's actually a lot of like, they're, they're technical little bastards. There's, there's, there's definitely a, a science to it. Um, and you have to have the right kind of wax and the right kind of container and the right kind of wick and the right temperature. All, all of this stuff has to be, you know, correct for it to work. Um, and so that was, very frustrating for me, but you know, I just got better and better at it. And then I kind of branched out and I started being like, well, why don't I put stuff inside of there too? And so, and that's really when that whole thing, that's really what Rosie Rings is today is, is candles and products that have like these natural elements and them are included in them. It was like a good lesson, like I said, for me too, just to realize you need to be distinctive, you know, you need to have your own thing, which I mean, that wasn't too much of a stretch for me. Cause I always wanted to be different, you know, yeah. like that was just part of my personality, but um, yeah, I just remember I'm just going, I'm just babbling now, but I'm going to go ahead and finish this. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to tell this really, I think this story that the, the, your listeners are going to find fascinating when I was getting a little further along and I was first starting to do trade shows. That's when, do you remember Yankee candle? I mean, they're still around. Yes. Yankee- <laughs> So that, so when I first started doing trade shows, Yankee candles, Yankee candle was like exploding. I mean, it was just like, I think that's really when people started to like bring, you know, burn a lot of candles. Um, I think they really started that, you know, where people would really have a lot of, and they were starting, people were getting really into fragrance. So I would, I did my first couple of trade shows and I didn't do that well. And I, I mean, I did okay, but everybody had a knockoff, you know, was doing a knockoff Yankee candle. Mm -hmm. Everybody had like the same glass jars, the same Mm -hmm. labels, same everything. And I didn't make any of that. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like, kind of, I, I felt, yeah, I was like, no, but at the same time, I remember I felt kind of threatened where I was like, oh shit, did I, you know, am I doing, should I be doing that? But at the same time, I mean, I, I was like, well, why, why would I go buy their candle that looks like Yankee candle? Why don't I just go get the Yankee candle? <laughs> you know, like why, <laughs> why would I get theirs instead? Yeah. I mean, it just seems so obvious to me. And I, I still just don't understand that when you see people that are doing something you know, basically ripping something off. I'm like, well, what, what's, why don't I just buy the original? I don't understand yeah. the point of that. I have a funny story that relates kind of to that because some kind of candle that I just got at the grocery store. So it was probably a knockoff of, you know, cause it was in a jar, but I don't know if they sell Yankee candles at the grocery store, but it was like, I'm just going to get this candle and put it in my studio because then it'll smell good. You had been in I tell this story all the time because I love it. <laughs> and about a week later, I get a package. I was like, oh, what's this? And it was from you. And I opened the card and I can hear it in your, your vote voice. <laughs> like, hey, Michelle, burn some decent candles. <laughs> and it was a, a Rosie Rings candle, which I love. I love your candles. And I cracked up so hard because I could just, I appreciated it so much. And I appreciate how just kind of blunt and straightforward and just transparent that you are. That's one of my favorite things about you. So I love it. I have the card. I think the card is hanging in our bedroom. My husband probably loves it. He's probably like, what the? (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. But I just, I think it's awesome. Um, and I appreciated the candle too. Uh, and I don't burn shitty candles in there anymore because they actually kind of make some people feel sick. I, th- I don't know yeah, the whole yeah. process behind it, but I imagine it's some nasty chemical bomb. <laughs> well, yeah, I think some people are, and I mean, they probably are sensitive to mine too, even though I think mine does smell better, but I think some, some people are just sensitive to that kind of stuff, right? Well, a lot of the people that I know that are um, usually some of the more natural oils and things like that don't bug them. And I will say, I probably in the late 90s thought I would make some candles and got a bunch of candle making stuff because it just seems so cool. Not, it's not easy. I no longer make candles. And I'm really grateful you do. <laughs> well, thank you. One less competitor in the world. Yeah, I, right. I appreciate that's it. Right. You stick to candles and I will stick to hair. <laughs> um, so you started, you got the idea, hey, I'm going to put some of these botanicals in the candles. And then it sounds like it didn't take off right away. So what shifted that? What was the turning point? I mean, it. It took off. I, I mean, it, it wasn't like it was not selling at all, but, but I, I just, I think, well, I think to, to go back, I, I think what, after I did, like, I was doing the little craft shows and then I started to sell in a few stores in Denver and I started to work in one of those stores. And that was really good for me because I re, I learned about about how they got product, which I had, you know, I, mm. I, did, I had no idea. And I would hear them about, you know, going to shows and they would leave and go to these trade shows. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know um, that you could do that. I, I, I don't, I just never thought about it. There was this, I worked at the Artisan Center in Cherry Creek mm-hmm. 
And there was a Swedish guy that worked there, this guy, Tony, and he helped me fill out applications for a couple of trade shows. And he was like, these are the ones you should do. You should just start out really small. And so I did those, I did a few of those shows. And like I said, I saw all the Yankee people, but you know, I came home with a, my handful of orders um, and they, they, it wasn't like amazing, but it was like a good little amount. But then what happened was, you know, when the stores got their stuff in, they would sell out of it right away. Mm-hmm. And so they, they started doing really well with it. So I had what I thought was going to be you know, just another very modest year. I think I had had like, you know, I was always, it was always my side hustle. You know, I was always like working at the artisan center and I worked at rock Island and I was a bike messenger. And then I always did this stuff on the side, you know, and I would make like $10,000 in a year or something. And when I went to my first trade two trade shows, my sales that year were like 275,000. Wow. Yeah. So it was a lot. And that was like in a year, you know, so it, it really changed. Were you, did you have or, a, a space to make them at that time or were you still making them at home? Well, I had moved from my kitchen to my basement. <laughs> and then, so when I came back from the two trade shows that I did, I was still in my basement. I started to order wax in, in such big quantities that I finally ended up getting a pallet, which is, is 2,000 pounds. Wow. And, you know, there goes a semi pulling up in my residential street. And he drops it on the sidewalk. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I have no place to, to put this. He drops a pallet on my sidewalk. And I thought, oh, geez, I, I guess I need to go get a space. So I found in the Baker neighborhood, there was like a, a construction company and they had like a 1940s Quonset hut. You know, those, like they have a round metal roof and uh, it was just sitting on their property. And uh, I talked to the owner and he said, oh, I'll rent that to you. I had a couple of woodworkers in there. You can rent it. And I rented that. And that was a thousand square feet. And then within six months, I, I just, I had to move out. I just, I couldn't, you know, I'm at that point that I'm getting five or 10 pallets of wax delivered. And we're, you know, we're carrying each box in by hand, hand and each box weighs 50 pounds. And, you know, I had a couple part-time people with me by that time. So, um, you know, pretty quickly after that, we moved to um, Denargo Market, which is, which was a dump, but now it's like lofts. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I got a 4,000 square foot building. So that all happened within 18 months. Was that uh, super inspiring and satisfying, as well as terrifying? Like, how were you feeling? Were you feeling pretty jazzed and like confident or scared shitless? I was all of the above. I think I was feeling really excited, but you know, my marriage was falling apart and and that was, it was very convenient for me actually having the business boom like that because, you know, I, I could just not be at my home, which (laughs) because my home life wasn't that great. Um, so I, I just lived, you know, at work. I, I, I think that first year after I did like my trade show thing, I took I took Christmas off. And besides that, I mean, I worked every day, 16 hours a day Mm -hmm. and I had to learn everything. Like I had to learn how to pack a box. I had to learn how to ship a box. I had to learn how to hire people. I need, I had to learn how to hire reps. I had to learn how to fire people. And the big problem is, and I think this is like what a lot of people run into when they start a business is being good at making candles is a lot different than being good at 
having a candle business, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and, and uh, that was just such a hard lesson for me because I, you know, I, I really would have liked to have just, you know, kept on making candles and instead I was running a business and, and, you know, didn't know what the hell I was doing. And yeah. also <laughs> as a, another little doozy in there is I, I had horrible boundaries with people. I, I hated confrontation. I hated conflict. I got really taken advantage of from, from employees for years mm. and I would always hire friends and I'd always just do crazy cockamamie stuff with people. I remember at one point <laughs> we had this gal that was working for us. We told, it was me and, and her manager, Stephanie, who still works for me. We told this employee, you don't have to be at work on time. Just call us and let us know when you're coming in. I mean, that's a kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of rules I had, you know, like that's, that's how I, I dealt with employees. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was awful. How did you finally come to, to really kind of tighten down and, and run a more, I don't know, structured business model with your employees or have healthier boundaries? Did that coincide with healthier boundaries outside of your business? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you, I don't think you can, or maybe other people can, but to me, it's, it's like, so, you know, you have to have your own little yard all clean, right? Or whatever the saying is, like, you, you got to clean up your own little personal messes, and then you can go out and manage. But for me, like, I, I, I had to be that way, you know, and so it was like, I don't know which one came first, my personal ones or my work ones, but they, it, they were all happening at the same time. And it took, it took years. It took yeah. years and years and years. I, um, you know, I mean, part of it was like, it took years, the boundary things took years. And I, and I still, I mean, it's still like, it gets easier and easier, but you know, I, I still get a little pit in my stomach when I have something come up. I think at the same time, so that was an issue, but I think the other issue was I just had no idea how to run a business. You know, I, I yeah. just like, I had no, I mean, my background really was waitressing, being a bike messenger. I, I, did, I had no idea how to do anything. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the same that was a learning that. curve, you know. I, I studied biology and sports medicine in college. I remember my freshman year, like, oh, I should take business classes and in, in economics, you know, it seemed like. I should have that to be well-rounded and I dropped both of them within weeks because I could not grasp the concepts <laughs> they were trying to teach me. I was like, what? <laughs> so uh, being a self-employed hairstylist, like I have no desire to own a salon or have employees or any of that. Like I just about as much as I can handle is my own little space and I still joke all the time like I'm, I'm a great hairstylist I am not a business woman and I yeah and that, that makes sense a lot of hair salons fail is that you have somebody who's really good behind the chair and then they try to open a salon but they're not a business person you know you almost need a like the business person but it's not for me no sure. I think you're I think you're right and you know when I was starting Rosie rings and it was getting bigger and bigger. My ex-husband was also trying to start his thing, which was making um, bike parts. You know how like there's this thing where you want to get your bike, your road bike to be as light as possible. And so they would 
he was a machinist and he'd make, you know, I don't, I can't even remember what these things were, bike components that would just like weigh nothing. And Mm -hmm. it certainly didn't help our dynamic that my thing was thriving and really taking off and, and his thing really tanked, but it really was a case of, for him, of being really super, really talented at making this stuff, but, you know, really not talented at all the other stuff. And, and I don't know, I just was, I think probably it was that grit, you know, that I just kept on, you know, I, I could see that I sucked at it and I wasn't always making great decisions, but I stuck with it. And I yeah. think, I think the other thing with businesses, that a lot of people don't understand is, you know, at some point along those years, pretty quickly, honestly, within a couple of years, I started to get, take on debt because, you know, I was just a cash eating machine. You know, my sales were really good and um, I needed to, you know, pay for rent and employees. And I was really seasonal. I did 60% of my sales during the holiday season. So I needed, you know, I, I was borrowing money and pretty soon when you own a business, a lot of times you owe so much money, you, you really can't close it down because if you close it down, you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. So that, that kind of forced me sometimes to stick with it, even when I was like, I think maybe I would have walked away, but I was like, well, shit, if I walk away, <laughs> you know, I'm, screwed. I'm, dead, I'm screwed. And also like, I, I'm not qualified to do anything else. I don't know what I would do today. What, what the hell am I going to go do? You know, like, this is the only thing I know how to do. Yeah. Um, when did you know that you made it big? <laughs> I don't know if you ever know that I've had many moments. I mean, I think the thing I should say is, is, um, I'm a pretty high achiever. I'm, I'm driven. I'm a perfectionist. So it, it's kind of never good enough for me, you know, mm-hmm. but I've definitely had milestones where I, I, when I walked into my Quonset hut, I was like, oh yeah, thousand square feet, <laughs> right. you know? And then, then I walk into my building that's 4,000 square feet and I'm like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I moved to my building that's 12,000 square feet. And I, I remember one time, you know, we got a forklift and I was like, yeah, I've got a forklift. So little things like that in terms of like, recognition. Um, I don't know, there's just been certain stores or developments that we've done along, along the years. I think that when we really started doing bigger developments for, you know, um, God, so many of them gone out of business. It's retail has been such a bloodbath for years, but, you know, Macy's and, you know, department stores and bigger stores um, that really made me feel uh, validated, but it's always like, I, I don't know, to me, I'm always looking at the next thing that I want to get. And I also just realized, I just know that about myself. I know that I am such a perfectionist and, and want so much that, you know, it's, it's kind of helped just having that self-awareness. Now, I, I think I, I don't look as much for like these things that are going to validate me because it, it doesn't really validate you. Right. <laughs> you know, like Temporarily. You're, you're, no matter how big it's gotten, I'm still like going out there and buying toilet paper or something like for the factory, you know, it's just like, it's, it's still, you can see me on camera right now. I'm at work, you know, and I got sweat dripping down and I'm wearing like a t-shirt, you know, it doesn't feel. Yeah. You're not in your sweet ass yeah. oval office with your yeah, exactly. Exactly. A couple of things. One, I would imagine it's easy to get burnout with con- constantly needing to feel creative or just 
from running a business. So there's two things, your, your creative, your, your, the creative mindset behind everything new and evolving in that business. So how to keep that motivated and, or how to recharge when you feel burned out that way, as well as then just as the businesswoman side of it, which right that would sound, that's not my jam, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've definitely felt it in both arenas. And I think what gets kind of, it's been dangerous at, at times. Cause I think so, sometimes you just don't even know you're burnt out, you know, and, and you're, you look back and you're like, geez, I was really phoning it in. It really wasn't working that great or functioning that great or, you know, or the products kind of looked stale for a long time. So I've definitely, I've had some pretty big phases. Uh, and I've also just checked out at certain times. Like, I mean, I've still been here, you know, every day doing my stuff, but I think when I was, had both of my kids, I wasn't mentally nearly as much here as I've been at other times. I think what's really saved me and allowed me to be here longer is, um, it's been fairly recent, but maybe three, two or three years ago, we started for this first time, my little department of product development grew. And so now it's three people. So that helps a lot. And, and I always felt threatened about being collaborative. I was like, well, you know, then it's, it, I won't be able to take full credit for everything because other people have their name on it. What does that, you know, mean for me? You know, what else? I, I just, I just, I, I was just struggled with it with my own identity, but I love it. I love collaborating. I, I love just having really creative people and we're all pitching in and we're all throwing out ideas. And I, I love, you know, you can, I think you can see when you look at our product line and some of the developments we've done for like, especially for anthropology, just like how we've expanded creatively. And then I hired, I hired a CEO about five years ago. Does that seem right? And true to form, uh, I didn't make a good choice on my, on my first one. But my second one <laughs> uh, is is really good, really a very strong leader, and I, I really do not have nearly as much involvement with the certainly not with the day to day running of the business. I am really off with my product development team, and I you know we opened up a retail store, and um, that's another person that I collaborate with a lot, and she's part owner of the store is um, this woman Allie that I love working with her too. It's been really nice. Excellent. Uh, what, how do you, like, what, what feeds your soul? Like what really gets you fired up and feeling inspired and not just with rosy rings, you know, but just in general? Uh, I think traveling and so COVID was really hard for me. And particularly like I, I started going to India somewhat frequently for work we do so much there like we have candle accessories and vessels and all kinds of stuff made there and we do a lot of uh, private label development for customers there and I love it COVID was really I had a trip planned right when it COVID became really you know real and then I had a trip planned this May and they had a very serious outbreak shut down that's been that's been a bummer but the other thing is gardening I'm out there a lot. That's an, that's another outlet for me where I, it feels very similar to like how I would feel making 
something here by myself. I feel the same way in the garden. I feel kind of off in my own world. And then I do feel really energized at work when I'm able to be by myself and just kind of kind of just getting back to my roots of, of making things by myself um, and just putting on my music, doing that, that those, those times you really got to carve out that time, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's difficult to get on. For sure. but, I agree with the gardening bit too. I love being in my garden. I find it really, I mean, literally grounding, but uh, it's just something about it. Gardening, nature in general, water for me too. And uh, it's funny, I was sitting on my deck last night and I don't, my husband and my daughter are like, I'm not sitting out here, there's mosquitoes and I don't really feel them that much. And um, I was thinking, do you have a candle that has citronella in it? Like I a, don't. a red I don't. candle for on the patio to... I don't. There's some really, I'll show you where you can get some good ones though. But do you, I mean, honestly, I've made those before. And when, even when we produce them, I've always been like, please really work. I don't know. I <laughs> even bought a citronella <laughs> plant last year and it didn't work, but <laughs> it made me feel like it I think, What about, they have like those citronella tiki torches? Well, yeah, I've had those. I've tried it all. And last, yeah. last night, I just I, there somebody had gotten me this incense and it smells pretty bad there's no way I could have it in the house so I put it in some of the planters kind of like around me so it wasn't right. super strong in my face but I thought maybe that would offend <laughs> the mosquitoes <Yes>. and it <laughs> seemed to work pretty well <laughs> I lingered you, out there until until it was are you dark. are you worried that the person that got you the incense is listening to your podcast right now yeah. being like Oh, yeah. man, I thought she liked that. <laughs> Is that my incense? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope not. I don't know, but not you. No. <laughs> um, so that's, I don't know. I also, so we, I've got these tequila jugs that I got from one of the local restaurants that I put the citronella oil in with some wicks and I'm uh-huh. going to hang those around too. And if nothing else, they look cool, but. I that have no cool. idea. Do anything, I just don't want to spray that damn mosquito spray on. What was that mosquito thing that people were always worried about getting and now you don't even think about it because there's COVID? West um, Nile. West Nile. Yeah, nobody gives a shit about West Nile anymore because now there's no. COVID. West Nile just is like COVID's like, you know, naughty little sister that yeah. just does nothing. If you were to daydream, just like, fuck it, I'm going to just daydream and throw it out there. What... What would you want to go do? Like you mentioned traveling, would it involve travel? Would you like to be like a female version of Anthony Bourdain traveling around meeting cool people or, or be a musician? Like, I mean, seriously, if you could just throw it out there and try something different. I do think about this because I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm 52 and someday, you know, the company, you know, the goal would be to sell it. I really do. I don't know. I mean, I, I really right now, I think like I would like to retire and just garden. We took this garden walk yesterday uh, in Park Hill. They had like a, you got to tour seven people's gardens and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it was just like unbelievable. Uh, this one guy had a thousand different like species in his yard of, of plants. Jeez. I was like, I know. I was like, that's like, and I, I was like, I thought I was clever, you know, like 
you know, putting in my yarrow or whatever, you know, it was just oh my like, gosh. like, a, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I, I learned a long time ago, don't go nutty. Cause you know, half the time, I don't know what I'm doing with the pH of the soil or the right, whatever, and things die, but um, I keep trying, but I've learned to like, okay, I'm going to try like two new plants this year and see how I do with them and see what I learned right. and, and go from there. But that would be cool. And maybe you can set up your own um, little botanic garden in your yard and yeah. showcase it or uh, who knows. I'd love to do that. I'd love to be at our store more um, for sure. I, it's so beautiful over there. And, you know, I, I go over there and there are all the women that work there look beautiful and they're dressed up and I come in all skanky with wax on me. I want to work over here, you know, with all this beautiful stuff. Do you, yeah, still, exactly. are, are you still um, having the candle making classes there? Yes. And they are selling out consistently. So I think we're nice. going to add on, like people are dying to get out and do stuff. And um, we just, it's really pretty. Um, we just set up a diffuser bar and a dried floral bar. We sold, you know, we sell a lot of dried florals, but we always made these um, bouquets. Did you say bouquet or bouquet? I'm, I'm saying Either bouquet, or. I think. It's like yeah. tomato, tomato. Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> anyway, we were always selling um, these bouquets and a lot of people just wanted, they'd be like, can I just get a single flower? So we set up this flower bar with just all these vases filled with just single varieties of flowers and they're each marked individually. And people have just been coming in and just like grabbing stuff and then they can make their own diffuser. We have like these beautiful glass bottles and they can put botanicals in and they choose which botanicals to put in and they choose their diffuser fragrance. I just love stuff like that. And the whole, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful to look at. So yeah, that's all doing. Fun. I'm going to come down there. One, I want to make candles because I suck at it. I'd much rather make a cool candle there, but also that diffuser sounds like that would be you really should come down I can use in my studio you should so. come down and, and then we can have um I live right by the store we can have a, a glass of wine that sounds in my fun. garden oh yeah. my god that's it I'm gonna yeah you all to right it. I know where Done. you live <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here with me oh today oh my gosh I thanks for having me I think you're just super inspiring I love again that you're you're just down to earth and authentic and unique Aww. and I love your spirit so I appreciate oh, it is, you being in my life it's so mutual it is so mutual that's why we always hit it off because we're both that way I'm glad you all got to experience a little what I get to experience with Shannon every time she's in my hair studio she is just a really interesting person to talk to, really easy person to talk to, very real and down to earth, which I appreciate. And I love learning about the new things she's creating at Rosie Rings. I can't wait to check out her studio in Denver and get in there, get creative and find beautiful things that smell lovely. I encourage you to do so if you're in the Denver area, her Rosie Rings studio is near Cherry Creek. And you can find her other goods at different retailers like Nordstrom, Anthropology, to name a few. You can find it anywhere online. If you just look up Rosie Rings Candles online, you will find either their original site or a retailer where you can check out her goods. 
I wish you all a beautiful day. And remember, if you liked what you heard here on the podcast today, please share on social media or tell a friend. You can subscribe and follow or leave a rating and review. Thanks so much and much love.